There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking sneaky ways to lower taxes like a millionaire. So it's tax time, right? There's no way for us to not talk about this topic. And, you know, I think around this time of year, everybody's always asking the question, you know, how do I save money on taxes? And those of us who make, you know, a a decent income, I would say over $100,000 a year, you're probably thinking, you know, I don't want to give so much of my money to the tax man. I don't mind giving my fair share, but, um, you know, it can be quite alarming, especially if you've had a really big year or maybe you're an entrepreneur and in 2016, things just lit up for you and you're looking at the amount of money that you're probably going to have to send in on your tax return and it might be making you sick and you're definitely not alone. And those of you listening who maybe aren't in that situation, but you know, you want to learn ahead and think ahead. Uh, I wanted to bring you this podcast. I read this article on the money site And I thought, oh, this is such a good idea for a podcast because a lot of these tips are, they're really good, you know, regardless of how much money you have in your bank account. And, you know, two out of three millionaires, 
worry about the tax implications of their investments, according to a survey by the Spectrum Group. And I would tell you that of all the millionaires that I have worked with, that is usually the number one question is how can I save on taxes? Because the more money you make, you know, the higher your tax bill becomes. And, you know, a lot of people that work super hard that make a lot of money, you don't even have to be the millionaire status, but you just kind of hate to see all your hard work and all your money, not all your money, but, you know, a a large percentage of your money kind of trickle out of your hands, especially if you live, you know, in places like New York or California, you know, two of the highest tax states in the United States. If you live in Europe or anywhere, you know, you guys are used to basically giving up close to 50% of your income. You you might get a lot more for um, that income, depending on where you live or for that tax bill, I should say. But here, you know, in the U.S., you know, uh, we are, most of us like paying lower taxes. You know, we don't mind helping social programs. We don't mind helping other people. But we certainly would like to hang on, you know, more money if we can. There's recent research by Vanguard, the big investing company Vanguard, that says that taxes can cost as much as two percentage points in returns a year. The price tag, seventy thousand bucks if you were to invest ten thousand dollars annually for twenty years and earn four percent on your money instead of six percent. Even among millionaires, more than a third are worried about raising healthcare costs. Rising, I should say, rising healthcare costs. They are raising, but they're rising as well. Absolutely. I mean, healthcare costs, you know, you might be in your 20s or 30s or 40s listening to this podcast, but let me tell you, there is a tidal wave in the United States coming for us with healthcare costs. They're really expensive. And if you're lucky enough to have, you know, your healthcare covered almost 100% through your company where you work, you really are super lucky. I mean, I've had my own corporate individual health policy, you know, for years and years and years, pretty much my whole entire career. So I've been used to paying what I consider to be a lot of money every month. The last few years, it's just gotten ridiculous. And, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're, a typical 65-year-old couple, it's estimated, Fidelity estimates that you could spend $260,000 throughout retirement just on health care. And that is a ton of money if you think about it. I mean, think about what that would do to the amount of money that you're saving for retirement, right? If if a large percentage of it is going to go just to cover your health care costs, because remember, when you're in retirement, um, you know, you have Medicare, but, you know, depending on what company you retire from, or if you're an entrepreneur, like you're on your own, you know, you're on your own to find a health plan that kind of covers the gap coverage. And they're just, it's not cheap. You know, medicines cost a lot of money. Treatments cost a lot of money. We've got deductibles. We've got all sorts of things that go on. Um, you know, a lot of you listening that are in other countries, you know, you you don't have that, but you pay higher taxes, right? So somewhere it, it equals out to just a lot of money. So if you choose a health plan that has a high deductible, you can actually contribute up to $33.50 in pre-tax money as an individual or $67.50 for a family in something that's called a health savings account. And I love this. This is definitely one of the sneaky ways to to limit your tax liability that the millionaires use. 
So a health savings account is a super unused, underused, not talked about, I think, enough savings vehicle. Think of it like your health IRA, right? So we have an IRA, IRA for retirement, but think of this as like your health IRA. You have tax-deductible contributions, just like in your retirement plan. Your earnings grow tax-deferred, just like in your IRA. You use the funds to pay for healthcare costs along the way, or you can save up the funds in there and actually use them for retirement. So if you saved $6,750 a year, $6,750 a year for 20 years in your health savings account, earning 6% annually, you would have somewhere around $248,000, enough to cover the average medical costs. And withdrawals from the uh, you know, health savings account for qualified, what are considered qualified health care needs are tax-free. So qualified means you know, something legitimate to pay for your deductibles, to pay for your co-pays, to pay for your prescription medicine. I mean, there's a laundry list of things. If you just go to Google and type in uh, health savings account qualified expenses, you will see a giant, giant list of all the things that you can use your health savings account for. Now, here's the thing. You have to have what is considered a high deductible health plan that is HSA compliant. So this isn't something that just any one of us can open a health savings account, right? We have to have the type of health insurance plan that is compliant with the health savings account. And if you don't know if you're in that bracket, you know, go ask your HR company or go call your, um, your healthcare company and ask them. But if you are eligible, this is a great tool. It's a separate account that you open up just like your regular IRA, right? You can put money in throughout the year, And again, you can invest the money. You can either keep it in a cash in like a money market account, or you can actually invest it, you know, so hopefully you get some earnings off there. But you get an ATM card, like an ATM credit card thing, right? So if you are going to, I don't know, the pharmacy to pay for your prescription, you can actually use the card with the money in your health savings account to pay for your prescription or not. You could just bank all the money, which is really the trick that, um, a lot of millionaires use, right, is they're looking for any places where you can stash money, get tax-deductible contributions, and also have your earnings grow, right? So if you've not heard about health savings accounts, I really highly suggest looking them up. Next time you have, uh, you know, open enrollment comes up this year uh, towards the latter part of the year. If if you can get a health uh, savings account compliant health plan, It's a really smart tool. I had one for years and years and years. Um, The health insurance I have now is not HSA compliant, so um, I was not able to continue that account, but the account is still open. It still has money in it. The money's still growing. I can still use the money in retirement. So, uh, you know, once you set it up and you've got some money in there, it's not, um, you know, I just can't contribute anymore to it, right? But the money's still there. The money's still growing. So another sneaky way to lower taxes is your side hustle. I mean, let's face it, we all have to do something else usually other than our job to make money. And, you know, I laughed like a few years ago when I saw this like side hustle thing start to become really popular. I mean, I feel like I've done side hustles my whole entire life, really. My whole entire career has been, you know, one, a side hustle, and I don't even know if they're side hustles. They're just hustles. 
that sounds really bad. It sounds like I'm swindling people out of something, but I'm not, I swear I'm super legitimate. Um, but when I started my first business, when I was in college, you know, I guess that would technically be considered a side hustle. Although I made, you know, a full-time income from that and then ended up selling that business. But a lot of people now have side hustles, whether it's, it's a hobby or maybe you write on the side, or maybe you have a blog that makes money, or maybe you, I don't know, maybe you cook for people or take pictures or whatever it may be. Maybe you do, you have a consulting business. Eight out of 10 millionaires though, this is a very, I love this statistic actually. Eight out of 10 millionaires who are entrepreneurs built their business from the ground up according to US Trust Survey. Eight out of 10 built it from the ground up. And, you know, I don't really know any other way. I've, I've built everything I have from the ground up. So only 2% have actually inherited businesses from their family. Um, Early on, when you're just starting your business, and I get asked this question all the time, should I incorporate, you know, should I form an LLC or a C-Corp or an S-Corp or, you know, whatever it may be? My advice is always, and, and this is the advice of this article as well, which I loved, is that be a sole proprietorship when you first start out, right? As a best way to limit your taxable income. Because if you lose money at first, which most businesses do lose money, you can use those losses to offset other income, including capital gains, which is much harder to do if you have some sort of corporation set up, right? So, you know, until you start making six figures, stay sole proprietor, stay just you, right? You get 1099s from all the things that you do. You file those with your taxes. It's easy breezy, you know, but if you, if you really want to seek uh, liability protection, and again, you start getting close to that six figure income, you know, you might want to look into an S corp um, type structure, which can help you avoid getting really slammed with self-employment taxes. So most people don't know, but when you pay self-employment taxes or when you, sorry, when you pay your taxes, right? When you're, when you work for a company, I'm getting all tongue tied here. Cause I get so excited about this. Um, when you pay taxes through your company, you know, you're paying a portion of the taxes, but then your employer is also paying a portion of the taxes. Well, when you're self-employed and you run your own business, you get the whole kit and caboodle. So, you know, when you're self-employed, you're hit with a full 15.3% tax rate, right? But if you form a corporation, like an S corp, you can control how you're paid. So for instance, let's say your your company earns like $150,000, you may pay your salary of $75,000 and then take the rest is what is called distribution of earnings. Now, this is something that you want to talk to a CPA, talk to your accountant. This is not, I'm not giving you advice on this. I'm only giving you the strategy, right? You actually want to dial this in for your own situation, have someone actually really look at your numbers look at what makes sense for your company, but it's a way to divert paying some of the taxes at a higher percentage rate, right? And again, don't rush to set up a company. I think, you know, sometimes people are like, well, if I I have this great idea and I'm going to launch this business, so let me just set up a company and that will make me super legitimate. It doesn't. Nobody knows whether you have a company or not have a company or five companies or 10 companies. Nobody knows, right? Uh, a lot of times you're the product, you're what you are selling. And, um, so, you know, don't get totally like, 
you know, caught in that drain pipe of, I have to set up a company because when you do, you also have to pay most times for a separate corporate return. And I don't want you to pay any extra money, at least in the beginning, until you know your business is legitimate. I don't want you to have to do that, right? So another kick butt sneaky way that millionaires lower their tax rate when they have a business is they actually hire their spouse and put a really large portion of whatever their spouse makes directly into a 401k. So this does reduce earnings, which is great for taxes, right? But it totally boosts savings. So, you know, that's that's another great tip, especially if you have your own business. Another sneaky thing is, you know, millionaires, they're just smart with their investing. You know, using tax-sheltered accounts like 401ks and IRAs for investments that have capital gains and sell stocks with losses to offset those gains. So 401ks and IRAs, you know, they're tax-sheltered accounts, right? That means that everything grows tax-deferred in there, which is what you like, right? Millionaires are just smart about where they put their money, right? So that you can have the best plan, I should say, to lower your tax rate. And this isn't necessarily a a tip on saving taxes, but it is a smart millionaire tip that, you know, you should really make sure that you know the price tag of your portfolio. Are there any funds in your portfolio with super high expense ratios that are dragging down your returns? If you don't know the expense ratios in your portfolio, you know, that's your homework assignment to look that up. If you, if you don't know how to do that, ask for help. There are all sorts of places now. We've we've had tons of interviews with my friends over at Bloom 3Os, and they help manage 401ks. And they're a great option. If you have a 401k, you have no idea what to do as far as investing, head over to Bloom, check them out. Goldbean is another one of our favorites that um, we've had them on several podcasts for stock investing, helping you pick individual stocks based off the things that you already know, like, and buy. There are a lot of places to turn. You could turn to Betterman and Right Capital or hire a financial advisor. But, you know, a percentage here or there could have a really dramatic effect on your overall cash retirement stockpile. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? All that matters is what you've been able to accumulate and hold on to. And, you know, you should also ask questions. What should I be doing to get to my goal? What's not working? What will this added expense cost in the long run? Whose brain can I pick? Is there any better place for my money? You know, millionaires never stop asking questions. They are super inquisitive, and that's likely how they've gotten where they've gotten, right? It's asking a lot of questions, connecting to a lot of people, making smart decisions, reading books, reading articles, listening to podcasts, you know, the stuff, it just doesn't happen overnight, right? Uh, You know, again, taxes, they're this thing that we have to pay. I don't care where you live, where you're listening to this podcast from, we all have to pay taxes. And they go to do a lot of good in every country. Uh, Sure, there's a lot of waste of money by certain governments, but you know what? That's just the nature of the beast, right? But Overall, what millionaires do is they do look to find these sneaky ways to lower taxes, lower it here, lower it there, take that extra money, drive it into their savings, drive it into their goals, drive it into their retirement, drive it into their healthcare, drive it into, you know, building a strong foundation. And that's really how they win. So 
I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I think it was fun to talk about these these little tips. And by no means am I saying that you have to be a millionaire. Let's get this straight, right? Um, I have known people who who have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars salaries, make all the right money moves, have more than enough money saved, and are living pretty. In fact, prettier than a lot of people who make much, much, much higher salaries. So at the end of the day, it's not always about dollars and cents. It's not always about that. A lot of this is about your mindset. A lot of this is about taking action. A lot of this is about, you know what, you can read all that you want. I can give you all the tools in the toolkit. Um, but you've got to be willing to, you have to be more willing to do this for yourself than I am at teaching you this stuff, right? And so I think that's just something that is sort of in the millionaire mindset. It's just um, intent on doing whatever it takes, you know, um, making these smart decisions, you know, getting over financial things that have might have slowed you down in the past and, you know, being real strategic with your money. That's how it's done. Again, it doesn't matter what's in your bank account. It doesn't matter if you make 20000 or if you make $20 million. That does not define your future success. Sure, $20 million helps. Not going to lie. Not going to sit here and lie, right? But if you make $20 million a year and you make all the wrong decisions, you're going to be way worse off than the person that was slow and steady at the lower income, all right? So as always, you could follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game, Instagram at millennial underscore money. 